Welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. Today's message is Remember. Now, here's Bill Almack. What do you think of when we say Memorial Day? Picnics? Barbecue? Summer? Going to the beach? Maybe going to the river? Any river rats here? It's a time to remember, right? It's in the name, Memorial Day. Remember. And the ability to remember is a wonderful gift. Imagine if you couldn't remember that red lights mean stop. It's nice to remember things, things that make us happy, take us back maybe to our childhood. And we remember having fun or playing. Or maybe it's high school or maybe it's college. Maybe it's that first date with your your true love. Maybe it's your wedding day or the day that your child was born, your son or your daughter. And we have all these happy memories. And sometimes we have sad memories too. But the ability to remember is good. It's very practical. It's very helpful. And sometimes memories fail us. Maybe you've heard about John who had a really bad memory. One day he bumped into an old friend he hadn't seen in a long time. He goes, remember, I had that really bad memory. I went to the seminar, and my memory's so much better now. And his friend said, oh, yeah, what was the name of the seminar? He goes, oh, wait, my wife went with me. Let me ask her. And he turns to his wife, and he turns back to his friend. He says, what's the name of that flower that's got a long stem and thorns? It's red. friend says, a rose? Yeah, that's it. Thank you. Rose, what was the name of the seminar we went to? <laughs> Maybe our memories aren't quite that bad, but we sh- we, there's things we should remember and we shouldn't forget. Maybe your wife's birthday or an anniversary, things that are important to remember. And Memorial Day is a day where we do that. It started, Memorial Day started after the Civil War, and it number of places claim to be the birthright of, or the birthplace of Memorial Day. We won't get into that today, but it started after the Civil War. It was called Decoration Day, and they would decorate the graves of our soldiers. After World War I, it became a, a national holiday, and it bounced around a couple different dates to the, this weekend that we um, celebrated on now. And there's lots of stories about men and women who stood in the gap and did things. And I want to tell you just one of those stories today. This is one maybe you know, and if you don't, you probably should know. It's a story of Lieutenant Commander Butch O'Hare. He was assigned as a fighter pilot in World War II to Lexington in the South Pacific. And one day his squadron had a mission to do, and they all took off from the carrier and gathered and began flying towards their, their mission for the day. And as they're flying, they're checking their planes and doing stuff. And Butch noticed that somebody had forgotten to top off the gas in his fuel tank. 
and doing some quick math, he realized that he was not going to be able to make it all the way to the mission and all the way back to the carrier. So he informed his squadron leader who told him to go back home. So reluctantly, he dropped out of the formation and headed back to the carrier. On the way back to the carrier, something happened that just made his blood turn cold. There was a squadron of Japanese airplanes headed in the direction of the carrier fleet. He was too far away to call his squadron to come help him. And he was too far away from the carrier fleet to warn them. The radio wouldn't reach that far. So he did the only thing he could do. He climbed up above the Japanese squadron and dove into the middle of it. Guns blazing, his 50 caliber machine guns on his wings, firing as much as he could. And he continued to attack and attack and attack until he was out of ammunition. And then he began to dive at the planes and try and clip a wing or clip the tail and disable the planes. Finally, the Japanese squadron had enough of this crazy American guy. And they regrouped and took off in a different direction. And Butch limped what was left of his plane back to the carrier and landed. And when he landed, there was, what happened to you? The plane's a wreck. And he told him the story. And the film in his plane that fires when he pulls the trigger confirmed his story. And in fact, he had shot down five planes that day. He was the first naval ace of World War II and the first naval ace ever to win a Congressional Medal of Honor. Unfortunately, a year later, Butch was killed in aerial combat. But his hometown didn't want to forget, so they named the airport after him. Maybe you've been there. Chicago. O'Hare. And Butch is one of the many, many people who stood in the gap for us. And we couldn't begin to tell all their stories today, but we remember and we honor them for what they've done. And God tells us to remember things. The Bible is full of the command to remember And sometimes it seems like we're forgetful and we don't do it. And there's a couple things I want to call your attention to real quick. And then three particular ones we want to talk about. Passover was one where we were called to remember. You guys remember the story of Passover, right? The Israelites are in slavery. And we uh, they're trying to come out of the slavery. And uh, there's been plagues in Egypt. And we don't... Pharaoh's not letting the people go and things are not going well. So he sends the slave that is going, he sends the plague that is going to end this whole thing. The angel of death is going to come and is going to kill the firstborn of every house. And the way that you avoid that is you take the blood of an unblemished lamb and put it on your door. And then the angel of death passes over. And so the Israelites do this, and they eat unleavened bread that night. They didn't put yeast in their bread and wait for it to rise. There wasn't time for that. 
And they eat unleavened bread. And this is one of the things that we're told to remember. And we'll talk a little bit more about that one in a little bit. But another time we're told to remember is when Joshua leads the Israelites into the promised land. We're at the, Jericho, at the Jordan River and Jericho's on the other side. And the river is in the way. And when the priests walk into the river, what happens? The river stops. And Israel crosses on dry land through the Jordan River. And Joshua tells one man from each tribe to pick up a stone from the bottom of the river. And they make a mound of stones. And he says, that's so in future generations when your kids ask, what is that for? You'll remember what God did here. And we're told to remember. Okay, But there's three things in particular I want to talk about today that is called for all people to remember at all times. Hopefully you've got out your sermon notes. Let's start going through these. Number one is the promise. Is this just not functional at all? All right. So number one is the promise. This is the story of, of Noah. Right? We know, we know the story of Noah, the flood. It starts out in Genesis chapter 6. It says, God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them, and I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. Right? God's fed up. He says, I want to destroy the earth. And he finds Noah, and he tells Noah, build a boat. It takes Noah a long time to build a big boat like this. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly, but with a little genealogy, it looks like it's maybe 100, 120 years to build a boat. Well, I want you to think about that. 120 years working on one thing God told you to do. Most of us get tired, you know, after 15 minutes. Are we done with that yet, God? We need to do the next thing yet. 120 years. Picking up the story in Genesis chapter 9. So, um, this is after the flood, and they've survived the flood, and they've come out of the ark, and it says, I establish a covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood, and never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. Continuing on, God says, maybe, there we go, this is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you, and every living creature with you, a covenant for all the generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be a sign of a covenant between me and the earth. What is God's promise to us? Never going to flood the earth and kill everybody again. And what's, what is the sign of this covenant? The rainbow. Okay. Now, a certain group has claimed the rainbow is theirs. Like, you don't get to do that. The rainbow belongs to all of us. Right? It's everybody's rainbow. It's God sent this for everybody. And sometimes we look around and we say, why doesn't God let that happen? Why does God let that happen? Why does that evil exist? 
Because God promised He wasn't going to end us all. We're going to talk a little bit more on that in our next series, Prepared. But there's a couple of things that I think we can remember from the rainbow. Number one, God's mercy is deep. Amen? Sometimes we look around, we wonder, what's going on, God? Why are you doing this? Because God is a merciful God, and He's waiting to see who else is metaphorically going to get on the ark and be saved. The other thing we can recognize when we see the rainbow is God's mercy is not never-ending. Someday there will be an end. The earth will be destroyed, not by flood, because He promised He wouldn't do that. But He will come and end the evil in the world. And it's good for us to remember that. Number three, every time we see the rainbow, it reminds us that God keeps His promises. For all these years... God has kept His promises. And that means He probably will keep other promises He made too, right? He's kept His promise. The rainbow reminds us of that. Second thing I want to talk about that God asks us to remember is the Sabbath. As Seventh-day Adventists, we are quite familiar with the Sabbath, right? It started when God created in in, um, the Garden of Eden... Genesis chapter 2, it says, By the seventh day, God had finished the work He had been doing, and on the seventh day, He rested from all His work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because He rested from all the work of creating He had done. Now, I always wonder, how much work was it for God to create? I mean, if I have to go create something, you know, and you go out in the shop and you're building something, right, you get dirty and sweaty and you slam your finger with the hammer and, you know, whatever happens. But how much work is it for God to create? So you get the end of the thing going, whew, penguins, they were tough. Right? How, how hard was it for God to think, I want flowers, and not just one kind of flower, but thousands and thousands and thousands of kinds of flowers? Did He have to think about every one? Or does He just say, I want flowers, and there's millions of kinds of flowers? I, I don't know. But whatever happened, God rested on the seventh day. And He made it holy. If we jump forward to Exodus 20 and the Ten Commandments, this is the fourth commandment that we're familiar with. It says, remember the Sabbath day by doing what? Keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son nor your daughter nor your male or female servant nor your animals nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. But He did what? Rested on the seventh day. Therefore God blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. The Sabbath day was blessed and made holy. And God tells us to remember that. God doesn't say, remember not to kill anybody. Remember not to lie. Remember not to do... But he says on the Sabbath day, remember. Why does he say that? 
Because we forget. Because we forget. We forget. Remember that the Israelites, when they're going from Egypt to the promised land, they, they get their food. It's manna that comes from heaven every night, every morning. And, and they pick it up. And you can just get enough for the day. And if you try to gather enough for tomorrow, when you wake up in the morning, what happened to it? It's full of maggots and it's rotten. It won't keep overnight. Except on Friday. Friday you gather twice as much, and on Sabbath morning it's still good. A miracle every single week for 40 years while they're in the desert. Of why the Sabbath is important. Now, as humans often do, we started screwing it up. Because somebody looked at that and said, that's really important. God said, remember And don't do any work. So what's work? Okay, well, you know, if I walk a hundred feet, that's not work. But if I walk two hundred feet, that's work. So I only walk less than a hundred feet. And if I carry this, that's not too heavy. So I can carry that. But if I carry this, well, this thing gets heavy. So this is work. Don't carry anything that weighs more than that. And on and on and on it went. And they meant well. They, they said, it says don't work. So let's, let's define work and let's not do it. And pretty soon there's 10,000 rules. And nobody can even remember them all. What am I allowed to do on Sabbath? I don't know. Best just sit still and not do anything. And Jesus comes along in Mark... And he says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. You've got it wrong way around. And we could do a whole sermon series on the Sabbath, and we have, and we'll probably do more. A lot's been written about it. But let's look at it this way. When you keep the commandments all of the commandments, you are a better person, right? We're a better person when we don't murder people, right? We all agree? We're better people when we don't lie. We're better people when we don't cheat. We're better people when we don't cheat on our spouses. We're better people when we honor our parents. We're better people when we worship God. We're better people when we remember the Sabbath. Those things are there because they help us. During the French Revolution, it was the dawn of the so-called Age of Reason. And after the Revolution, they came up with a new calendar. and It was called the French Republican Calendar or the French Revolutionary Calendar. And this calendar had ten days in it. And the workers worked for nine days. And then there was a day off. They called it the Day of Merriment. I kind of like the Day of Merriment. We need more Days of Merriment. That word is weird. Merriment. All right, anyway. They work nine days. They have the tenth day off. They kept this calendar for 
12 years from 1793 to 1805. And the workers worked nine, off, worked nine days, had a day off. Worked nine days, had a day off. Worked nine days, had a day off. Does that sound like a good calendar to you? First thing Napoleon Bonaparte did was disavow that calendar and go back to a seven-day calendar. The workers were not doing well, and the French people were suffering under this calendar because it broke the natural rhythm that God had set up at the creation in the Garden of Eden. Work six days, take a day off. Nowadays, most of us get two days off. We work five days and we get the weekend off. So remember the Sabbath. Remember the Creator. Remember He made you to do more than just work. Last one, number three. Let's remember the Last Supper. Sometimes we call it communion. Remember the Last Supper. Now, this meal of memory happens the night before Jesus is crucified. He and His disciples gather together to celebrate... Remember? What was it? Passover. I think we talked about it at the beginning, right? Jesus was a Jew. He followed the laws, the things they did. They celebrated Passover. Let's remember what God did for us. And they gather to celebrate Passover in the upper room. Now, it's interesting here, because look and see what Jesus says in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians um, 11, starting at kind of the end of verse 23, it says, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. They are gathered to remember Passover. And Jesus says, Do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. It changes. Okay? You ever wonder why I said that? Because in Jeremiah chapter 31, it says, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah, and I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God, they will be my people. I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. Do you ever wonder why communion has unleavened bread? Because it came from Passover. Well, they didn't put yeast in the bread because there wasn't time. And that's the night that Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. So we continue today and we eat the bread at communion that's kind of more like a cracker because there's no yeast in it to make it rise. Okay? Because Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Paul added to that in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. 
when he says, For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. When you partake in communion, what are you doing? Proclaiming what? The Lord's death until He comes. Right? I remember. I remember. Paul says more in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. This is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks. A participation in the blood of Christ. And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf. We who are many are one body for we all share one loaf. Like Paul, you gotta stop and think about this. But what he's saying is like, there's one loaf. Who's the loaf? Jesus. But there's a whole bunch of us. And we've all traveled kind of the same dusty road to get there. Now, we may have been on little different dusty roads, but we each had our problems. We've each had our sins. We've each had the things that have gotten to us. And our roads have been a little bit different, but generically the same. We've messed up. Some of us messed up differently than others. But we've messed up. And yet we arrive at this place where there's one loaf and one cup and there's unity. We who are many are one body because we share the one loaf. Remember what it means to, re- to take part of communion. One last story. I know it's a little bit late. Josh was an upwardly mobile executive. Remember the word yuppie? I haven't heard that in a while. But that was Josh. And he had recently bought a new car. Not just any new car. A Jaguar. XKE. 12-cylinder. Black. All the guys are drooling. Even the girls are going, yeah. You know, and they're about a mile long, right? They're gorgeous. And Josh is driving through the Chicago neighborhood a little bit too fast, but it's okay. He's driving a Jaguar. And he's watching for kids and trying to be careful, but he's having fun in his new car. When all of a sudden, between two cars, something comes out, but it's not a kid. It's a rock that smashes into the side of his car. Josh slams on the brakes, jams in reverse, screaming back, hops out of the car, finds his little kid and picks him up. What are you doing? Do you know what you did to my car? This is going to cost you, man. The little kid's crying. He says, I'm sorry, mister. I didn't know what to do. Nobody would stop to help. See, my brother has fallen out of his wheelchair. He's in the curb and he's too heavy and I can't pick him up. And he's hurt. Please, mister, help. And Josh feels the lump in his throat. And he goes over and with some struggle and some effort, and he gets his new suit dirty. 
he gets the boy back into the wheelchair, takes out his hanky, cleans him up as best he can, makes sure the younger brother can get the older brother home. And it's a long walk back to that Jaguar. And he stood there for a while looking at that dent in the door. And he never did fix it. Because he never wanted to forget to be, don't want to be so busy and so much in a hurry that somebody's got to throw a rock to get me to stop. See, we're put here for each other. God asks us to love one another, to remember, to do these things, and that's why we're here. And sometimes we forget and we don't remember our purpose. It's God's job to judge. It's Jesus' job to save. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. It's our job to love. Remember. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to remember the things that You have commanded us to remember. The Bible's full of the, of the advice and the commands. Remember this. Remember that, Lord. Help us to remember those things. They're important. That's why You put them there. But most importantly, God, help us to remember to love. Be with us now. In Jesus' name, Amen. We hope you have been blessed by this message from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. You can find more messages at www.downeychurch.org. God bless.